Revelation 2, 1 to 7, and can be found on page 1,234 of the Church Bibles. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people and that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. But you have this in your favor. You hate the practices of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit has to say to the churches. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Chloe. Good evening, everybody. Oh, thanks to those of you who replied. <laughs> it's like assembly. Not quite. Um, a very warm welcome again. My name's Adam. I'm the curate here at uh, St. Paul's. Uh, just before I begin, I began with an apology last week, an apology this week as well. If you are sat there hoping for a word-by-word exegesis of the passage from Revelation this evening, uh, that's not what uh, we're going to be thinking about. If you would like one of those, Andrew Dow will do a far better job than I ever would uh, in a few weeks' time. So do sign up for that. I'm really looking forward uh, to that course. We are going to be thinking quite a bit about uh, love. I'd like to say that we're doing this because Jonathan and I looked at the month when we were planning the sermon series, realized it was Valentine's Day on Thursday and thought, let's do a sermon on love. I'd like to say that's the case. It's not the case. It's a complete accident, uh, but never mind. Let's pray together uh, as we think about this passage. Father God, we thank you for your gift of love to us. We thank you that you love each and every one of us and that you call us to love you call us to love each other. And as we consider this passage and many other besides this evening, would you speak to our hearts about the deep love that you have for us, the love that was shown on that cross. Would you point to us, point us to you as the way, the truth, and the life. And help us to know your presence in this place, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, Just a word uh, before we begin to think about this idea of love this evening. Um, I'd like you to just uh, particularly think about how we get things from our head to our heart. It's very easy for us to know things, and many of the things that I want us to think about this evening, we may well know in our heads but I want us to think particularly this evening about whether we know them in our hearts. Just as an example, I was born into a Christian home. My mum was uh, what was called at the time a Sunday school superintendent. It's just a kid's worker now, but that's what she was called. Uh, And my dad was a church warden. And as such, I inherited faith from them. I grew up uh, from a very early age being able to tell you that Jesus loved me, uh, that I loved Jesus, that he was Lord. 
It was a lot longer, a lot further into my life uh, that I inhabited the faith for myself, that the truths of those statements, that Jesus loved me, uh, that I loved Jesus, that he was Lord, were were things that I believed with my heart, not just uh, with my head. Now, I'm continuing the theme that we started last week in getting you to write your own sermon uh, this week. Um, I haven't got bits of paper for you, but I have got a couple of questions uh, that I'd like you to think about. I don't want you to write the answers down, and I don't want you to talk to somebody near to you. But just as we begin to think of this, uh, just have a think of these two uh, questions. So the first one, when somebody says to you, God loves you, what do you think when they say that? What's your thought process when they say, God loves you to you? If somebody says that, if somebody hasn't, God loves you. What is your thought process when I say that? And the second question, if someone were to ask you, do you love God? What would your answer be? I don't want you to share this. I don't want you to shout the answers out. I just want you to think about those two questions for yourself. And I'm going to give you about 15 or 30 seconds or so just to think about what your gut reaction to them is. One of the things I should have said at the very beginning is that structure-wise, the talk this evening will be a bit different to what you might be used to. I'm intending to give you areas of space throughout the talk uh, and at the end to think about various uh, things. Uh, That was the first one of them. You coped. Well done, everybody. Um, now, I've said that our whole life worship series um, has been come out of, uh, not exclusively, but parts of the talks have come out of a series on whole life worship by, by LICC, and they've produced a number of videos to help us to think about these. Uh, this is the last video uh, that I will show you as part of this series. We've got a few more talks in the series, but this is the last video. But they have produced a talk, a video, sorry, to uh, help us think about this about a minute long. Let's watch this together now. Thank you. Lord, you know us. We try to keep hearts focused. We want to. We wonder. We long to. We weary. Miss your words. Crowd you out. Forget grace. Love settles, cools, passion dims. But you keep on pursuing, wrestling, calling. Patient grace warms us. Wins our attention. Retells your goodness. Draws us again. Revived, you delight. In worship, refocused. Expanded hearts sent out again. Mercy follows us into every day. Your goodness poured out. With softened hearts, we know your blessing. And change the world around. Fantastic. Um, I wonder if any of you have read this book. 
Can we show the video, uh, the picture of the book? It is called Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. It was quite a famous book, uh, written a little while ago now, sold many millions um, of copies. I haven't read it, it's probably where I'm going wrong, uh, but never mind. Uh, if you have read it, uh, you will know that the third habit of highly effective people is to put first things first. Now, in our passage today, the issue that the Ephesian church had was that they had not done this. Verse 4 that, we, that Chloe read to us said, You have forsaken the love you had at first. The word first there, not particularly helpful translation, possibly your primary love, the main calling. You have forsaken, you have forgotten the main calling that you were given. Now the church in Ephesus had a particularly difficult culture that they found themselves in. They were surrounded by immorality and idolatry. Throughout scripture, immorality and idolatry often go hand in hand. And as we think about the culture that we live in, we can think about various parts of it that we would consider immorality to still be alive and well. We might think idolatry is not something that we struggle with anymore as a culture. We don't see golden calves being worshipped uh, as much anymore. Uh, this picture was on Twitter just a few days ago. Uh, you'll remember the famous uh, see no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil. The idea of the fourth monkey is that, that the fourth monkey is, doing, is not seeing, speaking or hearing evil because they're so engrossed uh, in the mobile phone. Perhaps idolatry, thank you, is as live today as it ever was. Now, one of my, thank you, one of my favorite uh, passages of scripture is um, a story that happened just after Jesus had died and risen again. Uh, it's uh, one of the occasions where Jesus appears to his disciples. It's in John uh, chapter 21, uh, and it's wonderfully called Breakfast with Jesus. You remember, uh, the, fish, uh, the disciples had met Jesus just a few days earlier. One of the things I love about the story is they met the risen Jesus a few days earlier, and then suddenly didn't know what to do with them. Themselves. And so whenever we get lost in life, we return to whatever it is that we know. And so what they did the same, they're human, they went back to fishing, back into the boats, uh, back out uh, to fishing. And suddenly see the figure on the, uh, on the shore, and John says, it is the Lord. And Peter goes and greets him and meets him. And Jesus cooks them breakfast, breakfast uh, with Jesus, as I say. After breakfast, Jesus talks to Simon, to Peter. Uh, and he says three times, three times these words, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than these? He says that three times, three times to restore the three times that Peter had denied Christ, uh, uh, knowing Christ uh, as during the uh, crucifixion. There are all sorts of things we could, uh, there are a number of options that Jesus meant when he said these. The most likely option is that he was talking about the fishing things, the nets and the fishing, his career as a fisherman. Do you love me more than this thing that you do? Whatever it is that Jesus meant, um, Jesus is saying, just as, he did, as we were talking about last week, are you willing to put me before whatever it is that you do? Do you love me more than these? Now, it's possible to fish and to still love Jesus. I can't fish to save my life. Uh, fortunately, at the moment, I don't need to. If Brexit carries on the way that it looks, it might have to learn. Um, but slightly dodgy question. Don't put political jokes in your sermon, Adam. It's all right. <laughs> Lesson learned. <laughs> you can fish 
and love Jesus. The point of this is, are you putting this before Jesus? Are you putting these things, whatever it is in our life, do you love those things more than him? Jesus could easily have said to Martha, do you love doing the things that you're doing around the house more? Uh, Do you love me more than these things that you are doing? Now, some of us spend time, lots of time, doing stuff for the Lord in our week, and that's great. But if we do that at the cost of spending time with God, that's a bit ridiculous. It's about as ridiculous as it would be for me to spend my entire week doing chores and doing things to help Jess and Jacob, and Jess, my wife, Jacob, my son, never spend any time with them. Do you love these things more uh, than God? And I think what our actions, the things that we do, speak in to what our heart is thinking. Often I find that's the case. Whatever we end up finding ourselves doing speaks into what we believe in our hearts. It's not always the case, but it's often the case. So just think about your week. Uh, Again, I'm going to have another sip of water. Think about uh, the things that you find yourselves doing in the week. And think to, to yourself, what would you do if Jesus came to you wherever you find yourself in the week and said, do you love me? more than these. Just have another moment while I have another sip of water. Now we know, don't we, that Jesus was asked uh, in, uh, we read it in Matthew's gospel, what the greatest commandment was. And then he responded with these uh, famous words. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. We're not just called to love God. We're also called to love our neighbor. And again, we know this in our heads, but I wonder how many of us know this in our hearts. What our actions, what we find ourselves doing day to day, speak about what we believe in our hearts. Just two days ago, Jess and I uh, had a day off together. We went to Birmingham and uh, somebody came up to to me and said, "Um, I need to make a phone call. Could I please have some money to make a phone call? And I said to the chap, I'm really sorry, I haven't got any money, and carried on walking. Now, that's completely true. I had no money, no cash on me uh, at the time. I did have a mobile phone in my pocket, and perhaps a more loving response to that man would have been to say, I haven't got any money, but here, use my phone, uh, make a phone call. How do I know uh, about that story? How am I able to tell that to you? Because it's about five seconds of my life. Uh, Because each day I'm in the habit of doing something called the examine, where I go through the day and I examine the relationships, the conversations that I have with people. And I say to the Lord, Lord, did I treat that person in the way that you would have me treat them? Did I speak to them with love? Did I speak to them with care? And if I didn't, then I confess that to the Lord and I seek and know that I receive his forgiveness. Sometimes, uh, and one or two of you here have had an experience of me come to you and say, I'm really sorry for the way I spoke to you a few days ago, or I didn't speak to you perhaps. If you don't do that, can I highly recommend it to you? It's a really good practice to enable us to get to the point where we're treating others as God would have us treat them. 
to love our neighbors as we would love ourselves. If you want your actions to reveal your heart, for your heart to change, then I really recommend that process to you. Now, all of that speaks into the fact that love is far more than a feeling, far more than emotion. It's a commitment that we make to each other as well. Most of you have not yet heard my wedding sermon. Don't worry, I haven't got some hedge clippers that I'm about to get out. Sorry, Jonathan. Um, Most of you have not heard my wedding sermon. But when I talk at weddings, I often talk about the fact that love is a commitment, not just an emotion. More often than not, when couples come to get married, particularly those that haven't been to many weddings, get quite confused because when they say their vows, they don't say, I do, to each other. They say, I will. When we watch films on the television, they always say, I do. In fact, if you go to a card shop to buy a wedding card, half of them say, I do, on the front of them. The expectation is the words, I do. Why is that? Well, I do is pinpointed in time. It's easy to stand opposite the person you're just about to marry and say, I do love you. Actually, what you're saying when you say, I will, is that in 10 years' time, when there are kids screaming at you, when you had an argument the night before, when you don't particularly like each other, when they're doing something that really annoys you, you're saying, I will love you. Love is a commitment. It's not just an emotion or a feeling. Loving our neighbors, loving our friends, loving those around us, sometimes loving God will take effort, will take commitment, will take us doing something about it. It doesn't just flow easily, necessarily. Sometimes this happens, as I say, in our relationship with God. Most obviously, for Jess and I, most of you know, about three years ago, we went through a miscarriage. That was a really hard time in our lives. Each day, I find myself going into our college chapel service and committing to worshipping God and to declaring truths about who he was and who he had created me to be. The first morning, the psalm of the day was Psalm 27, and it said this, I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. That's written by someone who knows the goodness of the Lord, knows that he can expect the goodness of the Lord, knows that he needs sometimes to wait on it and to declare it. If you're going through that time at the moment, maybe the thing you need to just hear this evening is this verse. I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord, be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. Each day, we should be asking ourselves if our actions, what they say about what our heart is thinking. Some of these things, as I say, take effort. But that's something we're called to. We're called into relationship with one another. We're called into relationship with God. I'm going to give us another moment of quiet in a moment. But before we do that, I shared uh, this quote with you about a year and a half ago. And I wonder how many of you uh, remember it. It's written by D.A. Carson, one of my favorite uh, quotes. He says this, People do not drift towards holiness. Apart from grace-driven effort, people do not gravitate towards godliness, prayer, obedience to scripture, faith, and delight in the Lord. We drift towards compromise and call it tolerance. We drift towards disobedience and call it freedom. 
We drift towards superstition and call it faith. We cherish the indiscipline of lost self-control and call it relaxation. We slouch towards prayerlessness and delude ourselves into thinking we have escaped legalism. We slide towards godlessness and convince ourselves we have been liberated. We're going to have another moment of silence um, now. And in this time, I do just want you to think, if we could actually just leave that quote on the screen, actually, there, and thank you. I do just want you to think about what it is, if there are things, that you have put in the way of your relationship with God, what it is that you have put in the way of your relationship with others. Maybe you can think of a particular person that you have treated particularly badly in the last few days. I want you to just think of something and not do anything else with that thought. I'll give you 10, 15 seconds to do that. this evening said you have forsaken the love you had at first it then went on to say repent and do the things you did at first and so Lord we bring before you the things that we have done the things that we have not done that get in the way of us loving you and loving our neighbour we bring them before you and we say sorry for them And Lord, we thank you that there is nothing that we can do to separate ourselves from your love. Would you help us to do the things you've called us to? As the Ephesian church are called to, do the things that, re- that are called by you. Help us to live a life like yours. Would you realign us into new ways of thinking, new patterns of behavior, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so we spent some time thinking about the fact that we're called to love God and we're called to love our neighbours. Those things sometimes take effort. The last thing that I want us to think about this evening, in my opinion, is the hardest thing at all that I want us to think about. Doing the things that we just talked about, loving God, loving our neighbour, is, relatively speaking, fairly easy because God is over there somewhere, um, and so and other people are over there. You are all over there. Uh, it's easy for me. You are detached from me for me to love you and to care for you and to serve you in the same way as it's easy for me to love God and to, uh, care, and to serve God without getting too emotionally involved, too emotionally attached. But love is never meant to be a one-way street. God loves us as well. In fact, we do all of these things out of response for the love that God has for us as he showed on that cross. Now, this is one of those things that really, really is easy for us to know in our heads. It's not as easy, I think, sometimes for us to know it in our hearts. 
How well we know that God loves us, often I think, sadly, is dependent on how well we've been loved by other people and how well we love ourselves as well. There was a phrase going around when I was a teenager, which I really hope is dead in the water now. It was along the lines of, you can't expect X to love you unless you learn to love yourself first. The joyful news of the gospel is that it doesn't matter what you think of yourself. It doesn't matter what you think other people think of you. It doesn't matter what you think of other people. God loves you. The God who created the universe loves you with 100% God quality love. Better than any love that any human could ever give. He loves you with 100% God quality love. Now, for me, this was the hardest thing for me to understand. It's still something that I struggle and grapple with. It's something that I suspect many of us struggle and grapple with because to understand God's love is really hard for us. To grasp just how much he loves us is really hard. Now, I could spend the next 10 or 15 minutes talking to you about the ways in which God loves you, the things that he says about you. But actually, I would rather God spoke to you this evening. And so I'm going to give us one final time of quiet. As we do that, I'm going to pray this prayer over us. I'll put it on the screen in a moment, actually. There's a prayer I'm going to pray over us. The words of this prayer are taken from our Living Free prayer resources that we do. Everything that I will say is in line with Scripture. Everything that I say is true of every single one of you here. It may be for some of us that it's hard to hear these words. As I pray these words, reflect on the fact that as I'm saying them, it's actually God saying them. God cares about you, loves you, knows you, and says all of these things about you. I'm going to get you to stay seated. Maybe close your eyes as I read this to you. So God says, I am so very proud of you and I delight in you. I am thrilled to be your father and I am thrilled that you are my child. I know you. I see you. I love you. I honor you. You are gifted, faithful, true, full of wisdom and integrity. You have a wonderful future ahead of you, and I will stand with you at every step of the way cheering you on. You are a blessing to me, and you will be a blessing to the world. I rejoice to see how beautiful you are in body, soul, and spirit. Walk in your identity. Know that you have been created with a wonderful purpose and a wonderful design. I am so very proud of you, and I delight in you. I am thrilled to be your father, and I am thrilled that you are my child.
rejoice to see how beautiful you are in body, soul, and spirit. Walk in your identity. Know that you have been created with a wonderful purpose and a wonderful design. Just before the service, a couple of people had um, some words and pictures. One of them was that someone here has come with some considerable doubts. It might be, as you've read or heard those words read, that you have doubts. But the Lord your God loves you. The Lord God who created the universe loves you, knows you, sees you, and honors you. He is your loving father and you are his loving, his loved child. There are two other pictures, one of a flickering light that needed to be reconnected to the wall and another of an oak tree that looked grand, but had shallow roots. And the Lord saying, grow your roots into me, grow your roots down into my word, know my word, come and know me. It may be this evening that you've come uh, having no faith at all, and this is the first time that you've heard the idea that God loves you. It may be that you've been coming to this church for a long time. That you've been telling people for a long time that God loves them and that God loves you. But that in the busyness of life, things have got in the way. Life has got in the way. The things we do for the Lord has got in the way. And the Lord just just gently says to you again, Do you love me more than these? Whoever we are, wherever we've come from, I imagine each and every one of us can move further and deeper into our relationship with God, further and deeper into an understanding of the love that he has for us, and further and deeper into our love for him. I wonder if the band would come back, ready to lead us in a moment. Lord, we thank you that your word says that you so loved us that you sent your son to die for us. We will never perhaps know, as we sung earlier, we'll never perhaps know what it cost you to see your son on that cross. As we grow in depth of relationship with you, would you help us to know that we are your children, that you love us,
And would you help us to show that love into this world? In a moment, we're going to uh, sing together. Um, Just as we do that, it may be that you want to recommit yourself to the love, to loving God, to loving your neighbors. It may be that you want to experience more of God's love for you, to know more of what it means for him to love you. It may simply be uh, that you want to mark in some way that today is the day that life changes. Today is the day that I bow the knee to Jesus. Today is the day that I bow the knee to Jesus again. That I say, Lord, I do love you more than these. If as we begin worshipping, that's something you'd like to do, then just gather around the front. Members of the team will pray with you. But will you stand with me as we sing?